The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast with me, Joe Donoghue, and your YEP Chief Football Writer, Graham Smith. We've had more friendly action, some more to come this week against Forest and Hearts, media day up at Thorpe Arch, potentially another signing through the door by the end of the week. Um, Graham, the sun is shining. How are things? Things are fine. Yeah, things are all right. Thank you. Um, things are probably better with me than if I were, say, oh, I don't know, a goalkeeper who had been allowed to fly all the way to the USA only for then uh things to take a turn and probably have to fly back to the uk almost immediately um i could not be dealing with that kind of hassle could you deal with that hassle if you were a professional footballer though i'd probably have to wouldn't i but i mean this is largely why i didn't go into the professional game because of the hassle i just um it's just not it's not the one for me i think um would the person you're talking about be carl darlow by any chance oh it could well be um, particularly given that you know Leeds are in advanced talks with Newcastle for him, um, the Bournemouth thing. You know, last week when it it looked like Born he was going to go to Bournemouth, um, and you could have understood maybe why he might plump for Bournemouth over Leeds, given that Melier is still here and it's a fight for the number one spot. You know, he's thinking mm, bench in the Premier League or bench in the Championship potentially. But actually, Leeds. You know, when I checked in with him, were pretty unconcerned about the Bournemouth thing you know that the the stance was it's not done yet um and they obviously felt they were still in with a very good chance and as it happens uh, here we are Bournemouth are getting the the guy from Inter the Romanian lad that you've seen play as an under 13 or whatever and um and Leeds are going for Darlow uh, and I would expect that to happen now I think we're probably at the stage now where it's it's heading in the right direction uh, so perhaps they can get that done before they travel to uh, Edinburgh this weekend, uh, and then and then you've got an interesting situation, haven't you? Because you've got Melier, who we all kind of thought he's gone this summer, but nobody has come in with it with an offer to to kind of change the situation, and um, and Farka likes him from what I'm told. So you know you could have a situation where it's Melier versus Darlow or. The final month of the transfer window will will decide that actually it's Darlow. Yeah, I think the term advanced talks, you, you know, you rarely see, unless you're Mikel Cuisance, you rarely see players get to advanced talks with the club or clubs um, and then the move falls through. So um, hopefully haven't put uh, haven't put uh, the mockers on that one with, um, with, with this little monologue. But um, yeah, Carl Darlow coming in, I think it's it's another move which is out of the the sensible transfers playbook, isn't it? Where someone with Premier League experience, someone with Championship winning experience, he might not be a name that that really really excites. But ultimately, if the the finances on the deal are right, then it's uh, and you know he comes in and doesn't drop clanger after clanger, then you have to say that it's a deal which you could say is well, it's 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 solid, it's steady, sensible. Yeah, I mean, if it follows Ampadu, then you look at the pair of them and think, I can see the logic behind this. Um, mind, 
we've said that before on this podcast and we have been made to look fools. So um, we'll, we'll, I, I think my summer theme is withholding judgment on everything and anything until I see how the entire season plays out. But I can see the logic. Um, I think Ampadu in particular is a good signing. Like I'd, I'd be surprised if Ampadu doesn't work out just because of his ability uh, as a midfielder in the championship, I think um, solid is the word. Uh, and I quite like the look of him against Monaco. And as for Darlow, I always feel sorry for keepers because you're the one that gets the blame. Even if the centre forward gives the ball away lazily and then doesn't track his runner and then a midfielder doesn't track their runner and then a, a, a right back or a left back gets done with an inside ball and the cross comes in and somebody's got a free header... If the ball goes through your hands, everyone says, oh, I should have saved that one. Keeper should have done better. And they focus on the keeper. So the life of a goalkeeper is a very hard one. But, um, but you know, they get paid for it, I suppose. So I won't have too much sympathy. But it'll be, I just think it'll be really interesting if if we get to the end of the window and Melier's still here and it's, and it's him versus Darlow. Uh, I don't know who my money would be on. Um, I mean, Melier... His confidence had gone, hadn't it, towards the end of last season. I don't imagine it will have taken him very long to get his confidence back because he's that kind of person. He has always shown supreme self-assuredness. You know, he's very, very confident in his own ability and, and his trajectory and where he's going in his career. Um, so I don't know that last season will have will have left a dent. It Maybe it's just hardened him a little. Maybe it's made him a bit more... Streetwise, maybe it'll just help him to grow and mature a bit more. But I think he'll be backing himself 100% to have the number one shirt if he stays at Leeds. I don't think it's it's such a bad thing if Melier was to stay and to, to have to battle it out for the number one spot because he hasn't had that throughout his time at Leeds, realistically. You know, he hasn't had a challenger for that jersey up until, you know, the last few games of last season. Um, and I think Darla would push him for that. You know, Darlow's not leaving Newcastle where he is, you know, one of the one of the second choices. I think they've got five goalkeepers. Um, he's not leaving there to to come and play second fiddle. You know, he he wants to play football. Um, or at least you'd assume so anyway. So yeah, it it would push Darla, it would push Melier. And I think that can only be a positive thing for for a young goalkeeper um who has over the past two seasons had a rough time of it. But you know, you you couldn't really blame him for being complacent because there wasn't that internal pressure there. Um, so I think it wouldn't be the the worst thing in the world. I still think that if Melier stays, Darlow is a good addition um, or good enough. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, I think Eddie Howe was saying over the um, overnight or in the states that um, he thinks that Darlow is one which could happen in the next few days. Um, you know, he says he, that they value Darlow, but they can't be a squad which carries five goalkeepers. And there's sort of the quirk of a player registration, I think, is is why Darlow is the one who's being let go. It's not as though he is choice number five. You know, he's quite often been choice number two for, for Newcastle un, under Eddie Howe um, with, with Nick Pope as the first choice. It's just that Darlow, yes, is homegrown, but he's not club trained and in the Champions League as Newcastle will be this season um, they are going to need a club trained player and the third goalkeeper is probably a good choice for that um, and they do have Mark Gillespie who I don't know if he's played 
for Newcastle yet. But he was club trained, went out to like Motherwell, Carlisle, those sorts of places. Um, and he will will go down as one of those those selections. So it, it's it's not to say that Darlow is you know he's he, he's fifth choice at a Premier League club. You can you could feasibly say he's second or third. Um, and the fact that Bournemouth have been after him as well. I mean, they've turned their attentions elsewhere. I mean, again, speaks speaks volumes that he's still even at thirty two, which you know, in goalkeeping terms, is not is not old by any stretch. Um, is still regarded as a, a safe pair of hands, if you'll you'll pardon the pun. Mm. Good Newcastle knowledge, by the way, very in depth. Um, I think Leeds, I think this signing would put Leeds in a good position, a strong position with with goalkeeping because you're protected if Melier is to go. You've got Darlow, and then you look at the number two situation and you decide, are we happy with Klyson or do we actually think maybe we need somebody else, um, maybe slightly more experienced to to fight it out with Darlow or maybe just somebody who gives more confidence to those around them and around the club. Um, but if Melier stays, you've got, you know, is there going to be a better... In terms of pure goalkeeping ability and experience, is there going to be a better one-two in the championship this season? You know, or or a one-two that is streets away from that one? I I'm, I don't know about that. I don't think so. Um, have, have, so yeah. have we considered though, Graham, that that Daniel Farker might just like ex Newcastle goalkeepers because Tim Kroll was his number one at Norwich, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe that's his thing. Maybe like he always likes to. One of the boxes he likes to tick first is ex Newcastle goalie. Um, Young young British midfielder, he also went with at Norwich. Ampadu ticked that one off. Yeah, he he's, likes to have to become a bit predictable, Daniel. He likes to have Sam Byram around at all times. So um, <laughs> so, so he's ticked that box as well. Uh and of course he he, he loves Emmy Buendia, so I'd expect him through the door uh eminently. Um number ten is is number ten's one that I th- really think they need. Um You've I been do want to see since Pablo left. I have I've been I've been saying it since Pablo left Joe. Um I do want to see Joe Gelhart get opportunities this year and I think he will. I think he will play football. Um but I I also think they need like well we don't need to talk about it again but they need it they need a Pablo. Yeah. Um speaking of uh Melier then he was in goal uh, for the the friendly game against Monaco at the weekend at York. Uh, good turnout, good crowd for that one. Um, not so good weather, um, as your your tweet suggested when you turned up and went summer of summer football or something along those lines. And it was honestly the bleakest picture. It looked like something out of a like a Sky Atlantic drama of I don't know. There's, there's a, a small town cop goes to investigate a murder at a at a sports stadium. It was grim. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it wasn't the best, and and my mood wasn't the best when I saw these uh, LNER t-shirt wearing um humans with shopping trolleys full to the brim of vuvuzelas that they were giving out for free to to children to grown men um and mercifully it didn't turn out quite as bad as we predicted because i think they gave them out early enough that the kids essentially blew themselves out of steam you know they 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 had nothing left to give by the time the match came and their little lungs were all <laughs> We're all in, in, in agony. Um, or parents had just simply had enough, taken the vuvuzelas and snapped them over their knees and, and cast them aside. 
But um, in terms of a game, I actually was quite entertained by it. Um, I thought in the first few minutes, Leeds were maybe going to get a bit of a doing because Monaco looked a lot slicker for maybe the first three or four minutes. And then suddenly, Leeds just started to get on the ball and uh, Ampadu was was playing long passes down the middle to put strikers in. Um, Archie Gray, who was playing alongside Ampadu, was moving into the right-back slot with Ailing pushing really, really high up, almost forming like a like a front five, almost. Um, Ailing was almost playing like a, another winger. And, and Archie Gray was dropping in, and then he would pick up the ball, and he'd look for a one-two with Sinistera, and then that would kind of unlock space in the middle, and they'd move forward, and then they'd maybe spray it left. Kjelda was inverting, as we've seen the fullbacks do against Manchester United, uh, to form another one in the centre. And actually, I thought Leeds played some really nice stuff, and they had chances. You know, there was that a moment where Ailing got on on the end of a, a cross from the left. That was it could have been another Huddersfield moment. Uh, Sinistera had a got the ball in a good shooting area and couldn't keep a shot down. And there were there were chances. And and though Monaco took the win, and and actually the second half, I thought Leeds faded a little bit in terms of influence. I thought there was plenty there to suggest that Farka has is getting to grips with this group and his football starting to show. I think as well, you know, Monaco and Manchester United, yeah, it might have been my United's 18s or 21s, but you know, the 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 caliber of opponent that Leeds have, have come up against so far in preseason is probably higher than than the average that they're gonna face this season. I think Forest and Hearts over the, the course of the next few days will probably be a good indicator of the 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 the, the talent bar or the benchmark that, that Leeds are going to face um, in, in the championship this year. So that'll be a, a better reflection. And also you have to consider that this is two games into Daniel Farker's tenure. You know, to be already seeing patterns of play, like you've just expertly described there, um, is is positive because that's that's no coincidence you know it's something that you you could notice as well with the pressing you know Ailing was often the one leading the press um whenever the the Monaco left back had the ball um so it it is aggressive it is front foot um and you can see that they're definitely responding to the way that he wants to play and that's something that has been said in in a couple in a couple of interviews with with the players so far um you know Graham you were up uh, at Thorpe Arch yesterday for uh, the media day, um, watching all the players do sort of their their celebration faces, and you know the getting on getting on the new kit or new kits, um, uh, which we can we can discuss. I mean, not give too much away. Uh, don't want to don't want to break the uh, the old embargo on that. But um, yeah, what was what was it like speaking to to the various uh, individuals up at uh, up at Thorpe Arch? Now, do remember because you have fallen foul of this once before. Um, that there is an embargo on um, one of these uh, interviews. Um, so, and I, I am planning on releasing this before that embargo. So you'll only be allowed to talk about the Cresswell one, the Gelhart one, and the Ailing one. So, you know, watch, watch your step. So don't mention the Buendia interview. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, well, speaking to players... You're getting people's hopes up now. Yeah, speaking to players was very much like... Speaking to players at the start of every preseason, the interviews are almost always the same. You know, you've got a new manager. What's he like? Uh, what's preseason been like? Is it intense? Do you enjoy it? What are your hopes for this season? Um, did it take you long to shake off last season? 
Um, but it is nice to get just a, you get a sense, an overall sense, or you pick up on little things that from one interview that bleeds into the next. Um, somebody described Daniel Farker as direct. They use that word twice. And I get the sense that he is, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to use the word strict, but he's got a presence, you know, a big, big presence. And he doesn't evidently doesn't suffer fools lightly. Um, uh, I think we saw with his touchline behavior as well against Monaco, you know, that he lets the players know <laughs> straight away if there's something like uh, Leo Hjelda got a rollick in for, I think he got involved on the ball instead of letting it go through to his winger. I think that might've been it. And then Creswell, went off his feet towards the, it might have even been in the area and got away with one, you know, conceded a corner rather than a penalty. And Farker did not like that. Um, but yeah, we, we spoke to some players and they've, they've said it's been long days. It's been very intense. They're learning a new style of football, a new system again. Uh, I get the feeling that some players are very much in favor of being a possession based team once again because they went away from that. Uh, and I don't think it suited everyone. I don't think everyone enjoyed being a team that was looking for moments or looking to lose the ball to win it back, you know, or, or to try and win the ball high up the pitch and, and pass, 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 make something happen. Um, you know, this is a team, some of the players experienced their best moments of their, their careers, the absolute highlights of their careers in a team that wanted to dominate the ball in a team that wanted to play out from the back. Um, and yes, Leeds under Bielsa went direct at times. Leeds under Farker will go direct at times. But by and large, when the goalkeeper gets the ball, it was noticeable at, at York that Ailing or Ampadu was saying to Melier, take your time, you know, calm down, let's get set and and build from the back. And, uh, and I always think it takes a confidence in the system uh, and a belief that the system works to say to your goalkeeper, no, let's let's get set because that allows the opposition to get set as well. And and you're you're bit what you're basically saying is we know that we can play through these with what the coaches has told us. So we're going to go from Melier. He's going to pass it to Ampadu, or he's going to pass it to a centre back, and he's going to pass it to Archie Gray. Rather than we've got the ball quick, punted upfield while while the opposition might be slightly in disarray. I imagine Leeds will probably get quicker at restarting um, once they're more attuned to Farkas' system. Um, but I do quite like the patient kind of no, we've got the ball and we're gonna we're gonna build something from the back. I just I just enjoy watching it a lot more than other football. I might I might put it that way. Um, and the football, the, you know, very diplomatic. Very well. I've, I've, I'm nothing if not diplomatic, Joe. Um, the footballers were in good form. Seems to be a good spirit about it. I think everyone knows that this won't probably be the final group, and there's still a lot that's going to happen. Um, everyone recognises that some players have left, and we'll kind of come on to that. You know, a lot of which was expected. One or two, maybe a bit more unexpected. Um, and I think there's just a lot of hope that they can keep players that would make a real difference um and what you never tend to notice on days like this is you know if there's any kind of 
fractures in the group. You don't. I don't think you really see. I think when you see that is actually on the pitch. Things like that come out under under pressure and under stress. Um, everyone just seemed to be getting along, getting on with it. You know, doing their their duty as they went around the various stations, being pictured in the various kits. The away kit's very nice. Um, the third kit, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, I like the home kit though. I, I very much do like the home kit, and it's funny because you think, how wrong could you go with an all white shirt? But actually, sometimes they are a lot nicer than others, and I think this year's is actually quite nice. Uh, and so, what is it? What is it about the away kit that you like, without disclosing the colours? I just think I just think it's quite classy. Um, Would you look good in it? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. I would. Um, <laughs> Who, um, <coughs> okay. okay. Um, would I look good in it? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not as sure. I'm not sure if it would suit you. Yeah, I'm, I'm more yeah. of a third kit man myself. Anyway, um, so. you're you're more of a, a retro. Uh, in saying that, though, I have just purchased the uh, the Netherlands 1988 European Championships retro shirt to wear on for monday night football and i've wanted it joe since i was a child and i just decided it was more of a realization hang on a minute i'm 40 i can do what i want and i just bought it uh, and you might see a bit more of that behavior from me uh, in my 40s joe i think i've maybe hit that age now where if i decide i want something i might just i might just do it oh well, um i mean yeah you're gonna be tearing up the uh, the five and six aside courts looking like a real rude hullet there or maybe <laughs> maybe more of an edgar davids actually do you wear do you wear contacts or are you getting the uh, the special goggles no no contacts um i, I w- was gonna say you'd maybe i'd maybe be a bit more like voland uh, up front for monaco on uh, at the weekend because he had that almost like you know when a when a really skillful professional who's played at quite a high level and has scored quite a few like good goals, good looking goals. He drops down a level or two towards the end of his career. And you think that lad needs to train more. Um, and he doesn't, and he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't move all that freely and he doesn't move all that much, but then all of a sudden the ball goes near him and woof, it's in the back of the net. That was very much like Volland, wasn't it? On, on Saturday, you know, that cross came in and yes, he absolutely yeah. should have been, somebody should have been touched tight. Um, and he had the he had acres of space. You know, if he wanted to turn like a bus, he could have turned like a bus. But all he needed to do was head it over Melier into the net. Um, that was just a little bit of a showing of class, wasn't it, from a from a player who's had quite a good career. So just just to clarify, you are comparing yourself to someone who has scored hatfuls of goals uh, in the Bundesliga and in Liga, and is also a German international. Is that well? Is that where we're well, at? No, let's not be silly. All I'll say is, we both scored very good headers in the last week. That's 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 all I'll say. That's all I need to say at this stage. Okie dokie. Um, you were talking about uh, Daniel Farker being a presence, and he is he is a stocky gentleman, isn't he? He's he is definitely carries himself well on the uh, on the touchline, uh, and you would not want to be sort of in his bad books. On that topic, then. Who in the Leeds United squad do you think Daniel Farker would be capable of bench pressing? Uh, Lewis Bate, one hundred percent. See, I'm thinking Jan Paveda. Yes, but then Paveda has 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 bulked, hasn't he, over the last couple of summers? He's not, he's not the little waif that he was when he arrived from Manchester City. 
but he is still a small gentleman in terms of height and stature. Uh, Farka, Farka evidently spends a good deal of his time on arms and back. Like he's got a really <laughs> wide, really wide back, very broad, broad shouldered. Um, and also, I think, I think when he was when he was a player, he described himself as uh, the slowest striker in the Western Hemisphere, or, <laughs> or, in, or in Western Europe. Um, a man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah, he, he looks he looks strong as a bull. Uh, I I wouldn't back many players. You know, if if it came down to a wrestle, uh, I think he'd he'd probably he'd get the pin. I think quite quickly. He just he just looks like he has that frame about him. Um, didn't he... see him. Sorry, go on. I was going to say didn't see him do his media day bit, but um, but but I did just want to recall the time that Sky photoshopped someone else's body onto Marcelo Bielsa's head uh, for the. <laughs> <laughs> for the manager graphic and just how absolutely ludicrous that looked every every week uh, <laughs> uh absolutely superb a man who delivered on every stage marcelo bielsa in terms of entertainment um speaking of um daniel farkin and, and wrestling then um should he maybe try and get max Weber in a headlock um because it does appear as though he might be the next Leeds United player to leave on loan. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, actually the club which Daniel Farker was at last season, um, supposedly the the destination for for Vober, who is um, you know the, there's been various reports in Austria and Germany that he has one of these opt out clauses, whatever that means. Um, again, it's purely speculative. There's no we're not privy to to the information in players' contracts, but um, it does appear as though him being left out against Monaco because he's um, vocalised to the club that he he does want to to leave, um, it would make sense um, if, there, if there are one of these clauses. There's no doubt in my mind that he's got a clause and um, it's going to be a loan. But I also think with this one, there may be a permanent option in there. Uh, it's difficult to say see a way back for a lot of these players on loan uh, at Leeds. I, I think it's almost impossible to see a way back for Max Vober because... We were not getting noises at all at the start of the summer to say, yeah, we think Vober is off. You know, it was clear that some of these players, almost instantly, it was clear that some of these players would go. And, you know, they were making no secret of that. The club seemed very, very optimistic that they would keep Max Vober. And that, it always stems from something. It comes from somewhere. It's not just a an airy fairy. Oh, yeah, we th- we think we'll keep him because, you know, uh, we just will. Uh, and Vober had been involved. As far as I'm aware, he had the captain's armband on against Barnsley. So I think this has probably come as a big disappointment. And I imagine Farka probably did want to get him in a headlock, but you can't do that these days. Um, so he's probably just glared at him and, and nodded. Um, maybe he's wished him well. It's It's a little bit like if you and I were making our plans for the podcast and for coverage for this season. And then you said, oh, by the way, I'm not going to record the podcast today because um, I'm actually leaving to go to the Derbyshire Times. Uh, I'd like to go to the Derbyshire Times and cover Chesterfield. It, it would be that level of betrayal, I think. Um, you know, going to, going to your boss's ex 
like that of all of all people. But uh, for, for Max Vober to do it though, it is it is a disappointment because I I think he's a very good player, and in the championship he would have been a very very good player. And left sided centre back, you would have had no concerns about this season. I mean that is where the one area where they're they're absolutely solid with Vober and Cooper. Strike can play there. Hjelda could play there if if necessary. Um, but you would have thought it was Vober versus Cooper for that spot. And um, for whatever reason, Vober has has now decided at this stage that no, actually, I'd like to play uh, in the Bundesliga. And I can't quite work out. Maybe you can help me work out. Like what what what's the motivation? You know why why not Leeds when in a year's time Leeds could be a Premier League club again? And that and that ultimately that attracted you as recently as January. You know, you wanted to be part of this in January. It might take a year to get back there. Uh, you might play some good football along the way and you might win a lot of games. Why Gladback over Leeds? Well, yeah, I, I could understand more the um, the Cock decision and the Aronson decision because Frankfurt and um, Union Berlin are both playing European football this season. So that is an additional draw. It's an, an, an additional pull. But Gladback aren't. Um, and I, I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I don't think they're going to be playing European football in the season after either. So, um, yeah, I'm not, it, and if he does go on loan, it's not like he's getting a massive pay rise. He'll be on exactly the same terms as he would be at Leeds. Um, so yeah, it, it, it does, it, it does make you question why, but ultimately I think it probably comes down to internationals. You know, he is an Austrian international defender. Is Ralph Rangnick going to be watching the the championship every week just for Max Vober? Probably not. He's going to be watching the Bundesliga though. Oh come on though! Like you, the championship. I think oh, we're it's brilliant. A, I think we're a little bit in danger of doing it down slightly. Like it's it is a really well watched league around the world. Like people are very very aware of the championship. Um, I mean, perhaps if he's not convinced that Leeds are going to go straight back up and, and he's thinking about Austria, maybe maybe that is the motivation. I just find this one harder to understand than others, I think. And and mm. I think it is more disappointing than others. There's some that you'd have quite happily, you'd have packed the bags, you know, you'd have driven them to the airport, you'd have chartered them a plane, you'd have learned how to fly on a simulator for a thousand hours and, and you'd have flung <laughs> them there. Um, you'd have unpacked the plane at the other side and you'd have... Um, You'd have handed in your license to, to get a hire car and you'd have driven them to a new club, opened the door. You'd have done the medical, you know, I'd have, I'd have sat through medical school in order to to do the medical for some of them just to make sure and, and also passed my, my FIFA agents exam to make sure, you know, it got done. But for Voba, like, uh, it's just disappointing, isn't it? You know, and I think fans as well will be more aggrieved by this one than than others. And that's what makes me think, you know, good luck contemplating coming back because um, it's not it's not going to be easy for many of these players to come back and say, "Oh, you're in the Premier League again." Well, it just so happens that that I'm back and uh, and I like the Premier League, so I'd like to play. Um, can I just I, can I just shock you? I like Leeds United now, um, <laughs> despite what I might have said, despite uh, in, what I said twelve months ago in the summer of 2023. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. 
So, um, so yeah, let's see how many of them actually ever play for the club again. Uh, Aronson is I mean, one that I maybe, it, maybe because it, he's so young. It would be very interesting to see if any of them do come back, whether they get above a six in your player ratings at any point. You know, I'm thinking Aronson comes back, new lease of life, scores a hat trick, and you're like, well, you know, did score three spectacular goals, a perfect hat trick, no less. Um, <laughs> but does everyone remember what he did in the summer of 2023? Seven. Am I the only no. one remembering? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember what you did. But I know what you did last summer, Brendan. <laughs> That's the episode title, isn't it? I know what you did last summer. Um, yeah, I think Aronson's the one that that could most easily redeem himself because he's an attacker and goals change memories. Um, but also because he's still a player of potential. You know, he could still, if he bulks up and if he if he cuts out that spinning spinning turtle, <laughs> the spinning turtle move where he grabs his ankle, he and if he can add. Snapping turtle, not a spinning turtle. Exactly. And if you can add real end product, um, you know, I spoke to a financial expert, one of the guys behind the, the financial sustainability segment of the Fair Games 2023 index. Spoke to him this week for a piece that's going to come out probably in the next hour or so. And he was saying Aronson is one who, if he goes and tears it up at uh, Onion Berlin this season, then. <laughs> You could, <laughs> ich bin, ich bin ein onion. Um, then his value could skyrocket again, you know, because right now it's it's nowhere near the money Leeds committed to it. So, so he could actually really redeem a lot of his value. But also, you could look at him after a year in the Bundesliga and say, right, is he maybe now a little more filled out, a little more attuned to more physical football, and is he more suited to the Premier League? than he was in his in his first season. You know, he'll be he'll be two years older, won't he, by the time he comes back than when he first signed for Leeds and, and first played in the Premier League. And that's quite a long time to get your head around the the demands of big league football, you know, because he's come from Austria, let's remember. He's not come from one of Europe's big five leagues. So maybe there's a way back for him, but I'd struggle to see it for some of the others. I mean, yeah, he's he's twenty two. I'm sure you've you've bulked up a little bit since you were twenty two, Graham. I know I, I know I have horizontally, not vertically. I'm, uh, um, I'm considerably considerably sturdier than uh, than when I was twenty two. I got married at twenty two, and then the wedding pictures make me look like a child. It looks like an arranged marriage, uh, where 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 an older lady, because obviously women on their wedding day they do look kind of not not old. I'm not saying she looked old before I started digging holes, but she looked older than I did. I, I looked like a, a child who'd been frog-marched down the aisle. <laughs> Very interesting segue there. Um, <laughs> not, sure, not sure I thought when we started recording this morning that Graham was going to call his dearly beloved um, old on, on the wedding day, but that is, that's where we are. That's what preseason does to you. Um, on, on to um, more Leeds United matters. Um, there, there's been a report this morning that you know there's that Patrick Bamford is maybe considering his his options this summer. Um, I mean, what, what's your reading of that situation? Because you know, you did you saw him yesterday, didn't you? He, I presume, he looked absolutely fine, not as though he was looking for the exit. Um, I mean, I, I did literally see him go through the exit of the the indoor football pitch arena at Leeds at Thorpe Arch. But no, it, nothing in his demeanour said to me, right, lads, you know, 
there's very little point in me putting on this third kit for pictures because I won't be wearing it. Um, there was nothing in it, nothing at all in his demeanour or in his behaviour that, that suggested me he was off. He was laughing and joking with staff. Um, I also think that whilst it's perfectly possible that, that Bamford might decide now is the time to leave Leeds, maybe, maybe a Premier League club would take him. I, I think... I think you could probably count the Premier League potential takers on one hand. You know, I don't I don't think there's going to be a huge number who'd be willing to put a lot of money into it. Um, so and that's just because of his injury. It's not because of his ability, just because of his injury issues he's had over the last two years. So, so I don't know. I, I almost think if we were going to see something with Bamford, we might have we might have heard more about it already. You know, he's he's got a very very high profile agent. Who would who is connected enough that the top names in transfer journalism would have been talking about it by now? It would almost come as a bit of a Vober-esque surprise to me if if Bamford went at this stage. Unless, of course, you caveat that with Leeds get an opportunity to get a nine in, and that changes the picture considerably. Um, and it, you know, it changes the picture so considerably that Bamford thinks, "Well, I'm not going to play, so so I'm going to go." Um, but yeah, I, I've I've heard nothing to suggest that he's off uh, as yet. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you could see him maybe going to Forest to be a backup. But do you really want to be doing that? I I've, I always question football footballers. You know, their their thought process when they go somewhere and they know they're going to be a backup. Apart from goalkeepers, because obviously only one of them can play in that position, and you know, typically they're not going to get injured as frequently as outfield players. But I do, I do wonder because you know who is going to take him to be their their number nine. Who you know? What, but yeah, but you do back we... yourself as well. Like you, you look at a, a strike. If you're a Bamford, and you deep down believe in your ability, then you look at the the attacking options that a side has and think, I'm as good as him. I can get in the side ahead of him. Yeah, you know, I just need a chance. So I think footballers do back themselves. But um, I think the other thing we need to note is that. I think last season was very difficult for Patrick Bamford, and and when it got when it gets to the stage where his family were being targeted online, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that might have. And it's not just a case of brushing it off and saying, "Well, you know, the real fans or, or most of the fans support me." Um, I think that would that would leave a mark. It certainly would with me. Um, I don't think I'd be very willing to stick about if I'd been. If that kind of abuse had been dished out, you know, and, and threats and, and stuff like that, uh, so 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 maybe that would be behind any kind of wavering in Bamford's mind as to whether or not he wants to be here. But f- from everything I've heard, Farca likes him, uh, rates him, uh, and I think he'll he'll certainly get game time this season. Um, but I just think whether Bamford stays or goes, I think they need another nine. Well, we're coming to the end of this week's episode, and I have to say, Graham, you've done remarkably well for someone who had a bit of a scratchy cold, a scratchy throat, um, haven't really coughed, haven't yawned either. Um, but if uh, if there does appear to be a few absentees due to uh, an un- undisclosed illness in uh, tomorrow's friendly against Forest or Oregon's Hearts at the weekend, then it might be the guy's fault who was up there at the media day coughing and spluttering all over the place. So... Um, no, let, no hang, on, hang on a minute. These symptoms developed after after my visit to Thor Barge. It's more likely that I've picked something up from them. But also, if I'm able to declare myself fit and available for the podcast, 
surely they can do the same for a pre-season run out against Forest at Burton Albion. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, right. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe it's best that we don't name all the players that we interviewed in case those are the exact players that are missing. From the <laughs> <line>. <laughs> it would be a coincidence, a massive coincidence, nothing to do with this guy. Huge transfer speculation because of some major absentees, and it just so happens it's because you got a little bit too close with your microphone. No, I always I always keep a very respect respectful distance. I respect um, the personal boundaries of. Um, of people who could probably do me considerable harm if they wished, um, because they're much bigger, stronger humans. I was amazed at the angle that you got on the, the, the video that you took of, of Pascal. His jawline is perfectly square. Must be the most square jawline in professional football. He's a, he's a looker, is Pascal. I've always really liked Pascal Strike because he's a bit different. You know, he um, quite famously didn't let on to anyone in the dressing room that he was uh, about to become a dad uh, until he actually became a dad. Um, and it was simply because no one asked. <laughs> no one thought to ask, hey, Pascal, you all right? Yeah, did you have a good weekend? Yeah. Is your missus pregnant? Um, nobody nobody asked the question, so he didn't volunteer the information. And he, he like, keeps his private life very private. Um, he goes away after football and tries to, I think the phrase he used was he tries to, uh, put his mind in silence when it comes to football in the summer. Um, but also, I think there's still a real player in there. And, and I thought he impressed against Monaco as right-sided centre-back. I don't think he put a foot wrong, really. Um, and in a footballing possession team, I think someone like Stroke with his passing ability could be a good player. So um, so whereas I maybe started the, sea, the, the summer before we knew Farker was coming in, Thinking I could see Pascal go on loan, you know, to try and recover himself a little bit. Uh, I think maybe now he's eyeing possibilities here with Farca. I would actually like to suggest that you practice mind in silence when I'm on my days off and you've taken to peppering <laughs> my WhatsApp chat with, can you give this a quick read? Um, because listen, listen, sunshine, you've been at it as well. Don't. Don't pretend that this is an unrequited one-way thing. It's it's very much a one-way street. I'll, I'll let the listeners decide. Um, anyway, this is uh, this is everything from uh, the Inside Ellen Road podcast this week with myself and Graham. Stay safe, take care, and uh, bye for now. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.